Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. Hey guys, Chad here, and we've got a special announcement that I am super psyched about. We are announcing the first ever Real Estate Hackers Conference. Get excited. It's called the Next Generation of Real Estate Investing focused on really the future of where investing is going, combining real estate, tech, and all the innovation coming about. It's gonna be held in Lancaster, Pennsylvania at the Lancaster Convention Center. We're gonna have 40 speakers, including many folks that you've heard on this podcast, folks like Matt Faircloth, Jerry Horst, Anna Kelly, Michael Manthai, even Eric Cabral, who produces the show, will be there. Networking at night on Friday and Saturday at some super fun places within walking distance of the event. And we're gonna have 100 vendors from across investing. These are folks I wish I had met when I first started investing in real estate. Each will even have a discount coupon to save you money the first time you work with them. April 3rd, 4th, and 5th at the Lancaster Convention Center. Go to realestatehackersconference.com to learn more. That's realestatehackersconference.com. Use the code HACKERS to save 50 bucks. And man, I hope to see you there. It's going to be an awesome, awesome weekend. On to the show. What is up, guys? I am pumped, incredibly pumped. Awesome guest today for you guys on the Real Estate Hackers show. Someone who I've actually wanted to have on here for a while now. Does a combination of things. Is an investor. Is an actually a vendor. So works with investors and runs a meetup. I love that trifecta. Sees the world from different places. Meets a lot of folks. Justin Eaton in the house. What's up, Chad? Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Justin, let's kind of start off. Let's give the folks kind of a little background of kind of, of how you got started here. I know you have a civil engineering background, which I'm a, I'm a tech nerd and engineering guy at heart. So how did you go from civil engineer into basically the inspection space? Yeah, so I graduated from Widener with a civil engineering degree in 2012. And uh, I was actually, this is a funny story, I was doing demo with one of my friends whose brother was flipping houses. And the um, engineer that uh, the flipper was using for his like structural modification plans uh, was looking to hire somebody. So he hooked me up with him, and then, then his company also did home inspections. So then I, I started working with him, doing some engineering work, but the majority of his business was home inspections. So eventually got my home inspector's license not too long after, and then worked for him from 2012 to 2018, doing home inspections and structural engineering. Started real estate investing in 2014 with the owner of that company. Me and him kind of partnered up to do a couple flips. We mm-hmm. ended up doing uh, seven flips together. Wow. Um, before me and him kind of parted ways on the investing side, and okay. I started doing my own investing. So over your career, you've done, what, 10, 20 flips or something like that? Uh, 15 flips, one wholesale. I have two single-family rentals, and I'm on my second live-in investment property. That is awesome, man. What a uh, such a cool background. So I, I am an engineering background guy. Do you find the engineering 
kind of education and core skill set you learn there, has that been beneficial to you in the real estate world? Definitely being able to look at a building and see um, how it works as a whole. Um, the engineering background kind of plays into that. And then engineering is super numbers. So like I'm into numbers too. Yeah. Uh, that all kind of plays into it. I'm also into numbers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so having the engineering background definitely helps. I think engineers think different. Like when you're talking to an engineer about certain things, they kind of talk and think differently. Yeah. For better or worse. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I think I think one thing that engineering is founded in, and I love that you then took it into the inspection space, which is it's just very logical, right? I mean, you know, uh, I'm not sure that multivariate calculus is really going to necessarily play out in real estate per se, but there's just a base in logic. And I think that um, at least the kind of investing that I do and many folks do, I think having a base of logic in how you think through problems and solve problems and understand different situations really helps. Absolutely. And uh, being able to have a good grasp on the planning, I think, too, plays into it, especially for our flips and stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, so what I want to talk through is I want to spend a lot of time on your, your, your core business is on inspections. And this is so interesting to me because I get asked a lot by investors if they should have an inspection or not. And I would say... You know, there's there's a couple different schools of thought. So I'll, I'll play them out first, and then I'll let you kind of chime in. One school of thought is I don't need an inspection, right? I know what I'm doing. I've I've been in real estate maybe a little bit of time. I'll just go walk in my myself, or maybe I'll bring a friend, and that'll be fine. There's another school of thought, and which is an inspection can both um, save you money by finding out what's wrong with the property, maybe allowing you to get out of it if it's a bad deal, but also allowing you to, and I've seen this happen quite a bit, actually one of my best friends had done just, did this just recently, actually negotiate down the sales price based on an inspection report. I'm, I'm gonna guess you're kind of in that camp, but kind of talk me through your, how you think about that. I think no matter what, you should have a home inspection, and that isn't to try and sell my home inspection business. I think it's definitely beneficial for all those reasons you just said. The main things, would be like attic spaces, basements, foundations, crawl spaces, where you're going to find big ticket items where a lot of people are like, oh, my dad's a contractor, right? Or like my uncle's like an electrician. He walked through with me. We didn't see anything major. I'm like, okay, well, did he go on the roof? Like, is there any soft spots in the roof? Did he walk Did he walk through the attic, look at all the sheathing, see if there's mold? Um, did he take the electrical panel box cover off to see if there's any rust in the panel box, knob and tube wiring? Um, did he go through the crawl space? Is it wet down there? Is it moldy? Do you need a waterproofing system? Is there termite damage? So typically they won't, even if they just walk through it, they won't get into the type of detail that a home inspector would get into. Um, and yeah, they could definitely save, like you said, they could back out of the deal if there's big ticket items, like foundation items, especially if they're buying as is, like from the bank. And there's no really no negotiation there. They're either going to back out or if they're working with a seller on like an estate sale or something, you might find ten dollars or $15,000 worth of foundation damage. If you have bowed foundation walls, it could be fairly extensive or like waterproofing. You know, waterproofing is fairly expensive too. So, yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. And regardless, if even if you're cosmetic updates, if you're gutting the house down, I think you should have that for peace of mind. Typically, it costs four to 600 bucks. Uh, for a home inspection and for something that could uncover a ten to twenty thousand dollar damage, it's a pretty good ROI. It's interesting. I, I, I probably haven't thought about this enough, but as you as you play it out, I think. So I've gone back and forth, just being super transparent. When I first started, we got inspections. For a while, we didn't get inspections, and I think I've actually now gone 
back to the dark side of uh, I see a ton of value in the inspection. And I actually think what you just said, so I'll take the roof, for example. We're, um, we're buying a, a farmer's market, actually, oddly enough. Uh, kind of a crazy deal. Very complex building. And we're actually out there walking the property. And the roof is, is a bit of a strange roof. And the way it's set up... Uh, my business partner is the one who does our maintenance. I mean, he understands houses and that. But for some reason, he was, and they will kill me for saying this, he did not want to go out on that roof. It was a weird pitch with no railing or anything. And it was also, it also had been raining a little bit in his defense. And uh, it just made him nervous. And so, you know, I think about that as like, it's just a great example that, you know, you're walking that property. If you're not actually walking the whole roof, if there's a soft spot or, or a problem, that you discover a year or two down the road. Whereas if you discover that, you know, in a case like this kind of a deal, it's, I think it's, you know, highly likely that the, the seller would actually give some uh, money back to, to solve the problem before closing. I agree with that. And also just for budgeting purposes, like there might be things like you might not know that the water heater is 20 years old. You might think it's, you know, if you're going to flip it or even if it's a rental property, you want the water heater to be in good shape. You might not know that it's 20 years old yeah. um, just by looking at it. Same thing with HVAC, or again, uncover things that you aren't going to uncover until you demo. Um, if you're demoing, a home inspector might be able to have a good idea on, like asbestos insulation on dark work, knob and tube wiring. Yeah. Uh, if the water's on, we always run the plumbing. You could have a broken uh, sewer main or a collapsed sewer main or a clogged sewer main, which could be a major expense too. Yeah. Um, that you might not uncover until you buy it, you know? So how are you uncovering? Let's just take the sewer thing. I mean, I've, oh boy. I've had a lot of sewer problems in my life on properties I've bought and ones that we've managed. How do you uh, how do you even test the sewer in the inspection process? What does that look like? So f- from the home inspection standpoint, we run the water uh, through all the plumbing fixtures for like 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. Depending on if the house is vacant or not. If people are living there, most likely it's not like a major sewer issue. Um, but vacant houses, we definitely run it a little longer. Depending on the type of plumbing material that we see at the inspection, like if I see a cast iron main that exits the basement, mm-hmm. I always recommend a uh, camera inspection. So there's plumbing companies that I work with that do scopes with the camera through okay. the inside of the pipe to see okay. the condition of it, which again is like 250 to 350 bucks. And if for five to ten thousand dollar replacement on a sewer line, Not it's worth idea. it. Yeah. yeah, that one's a little bit of an unknown because it's underground. You can't see it without the camera. But if you, if the house is a hundred years old, hundred years old, you know it's original, you know it's cast iron or Orangeburg or some old pipe. It's it's near the end of its life expectancy. Yeah, one thing I've been really passionate about, and I'm, I'm trying to do a better job of this year, is really pushing our investors to do and our company to do, is sort of create this like database for a property. And I think the inspection is a great place to start for that, right? So, you know, you come in, you kind of, especially as you start to accumulate houses, you start forgetting. I mean, it sounds crazy, but, you know, you know you have a furnace, but how old is the furnace, right? And so why I find that to be really valuable, and I think this is something that really people should take to heart, is, you know, if you know the age of the furnace, if I know a furnace is 20 years old and I get a no-heat call, I'm not really looking to repair the furnace, right? I mean, my answer is probably like, let's, we probably need a new furnace. Let's just put a new furnace in. As opposed to if the furnace is three years old, I'm not going to go out and get a new furnace. And so the problem is, in, in the, it just sounds, it sounds weird until you're kind of in that situation, but as you start to have different properties and, and life gets crazy and your memory's bad, if you're, I have a bad memory, you know, you forget. You just, you, don't, you just don't remember. And so having that, taking that inspection report and turning that, I think it's a really good time to turn that into some kind of a database you keep on a spreadsheet for each property. That way when issues come up, you kind of have this ongoing like maintenance log 
of what's going on at the property. Yeah, it's almost like a, a bill of health for your property, yeah. right? Like water heaters, five years old, HVACs, 15, right? So like, yeah, like you said, if you know you have a problem, come up with the water heater and it's 12 years old, you know, it's at the end of its life expectancy rather than sending someone out to fix it and getting the $200, $300 service bill, you might as well spend eight or a thousand, just replace it and not worry about it for 10 years. Yeah. But yeah, data, a database like that, that would be, that's a good idea. I like that idea. And it's also great for the prime management company too. So, so we actually, um, so our prime management company, I think, I think most are heading this direction. Is basically every property has a, you know, almost think of it as like your portal or your homepage for the actual property. And in that is a bunch of databases uh, with a bunch of options. You know, what's the HVAC? What is the roof, etc. And so you can actually put in there. You can actually have the prime management company actually even have in their own database. Hey, it's a gas furnace that's five years old. So that. And I'll tell you why it's so valuable. Again, it sounds so uh, small, but when you get that no heat call, it's also really valuable for everyone involved in the process to know what what are they dealing with before they actually come out to the property, right? As opposed to electric heat or oil heat or whatever. Yeah, because the contractors that do boilers might not do furnaces. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really good time to kind of take that. Use that inspection. That inspection. I'm sure you put all that information on the inspection report. Yep. Right? Yeah. Which is another. You know, if you're calculating capex, that could be another thing to use for that too. Yeah, that's great. Give me an example, maybe of something that you find in the inspections that investors miss a lot. A lot of times, a lot of older houses have like DIY electric through the years, where it's like the homeowner added the light, the homeowner added the circuit for this or that. The panel box, like the service cable on the outside is frayed. The water's getting in. The water's leaking into the panel box. There's rust in the panel box. Creates fire hazard. Um, knob and tube wiring because, I mean, if you don't know what knob and tube looks like, if it's your first, second, or third flip, or you're not really um, in tune with older houses, you wouldn't, might not be familiar with knob and tube wiring. And um, it's inside the walls and ceilings a lot of times, so it's hard to uncover unless you know what you're looking for. Um, and wiring is one of the bigger fire. It's a fire hazard, obviously. Plus, like electrical shock. So let's just pause here. I know uh, knob and tube comes up a lot. I actually find the average investor doesn't really know a ton about knob and tube, other than it's like a bad word. Maybe g- give folks uh, just the the real basics. I guess first off, if someone was walking a property, maybe they were, they, maybe they didn't have an inspector there. Is there an easy way to check to see if it's knob and tube wiring? If you have a polarity tester, which is one of the little things that you plug into the outlet, so you can check that first to okay. see if it comes up open ground because there's no ground wire for a knob and tube. Um, secondly, if you look in the attic or the basement, you'll see the white porcelain knobs. If you see those, it's a good indication that there was at least knob and tube at some point, may or may not be active. If you see the knobs with the wires running through it and two of them running together, very good indication that it's active. Yeah. Uh, if you see those tap it in the junction boxes or into the main panel box, very good indication that it would be active. But but your little doohickey thing, I missed the name. <laughs> uh, it's a polarity tester. Polarity tester. That, uh, that's kind of like your fail-safe, right? You, you put that in and it's it's definitely going to have active knob and tube. Uh, well, it could be old wiring, too, that doesn't have a ground rod. Ground rod may not be knob and tube or it could just be wired wrong altogether. Okay. And let's just play this all the way through. So, well, first off, how much is the... Is the detector, is it, is it really expensive? No, five, okay. ten bucks. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Bucks. Um, so you could totally just have that with you to, to see what it is. So if someone does, if there is knob and tube wiring, what is your recommendation to an uh, investor? To replace do? altogether. Okay, so you're yeah. like 100% replace it. Fire Don't. hazard, safety hazard, and even um, homeowners insurance companies a lot of times won't insure a house with knob and tube because of the known 
hazards. What's your rough rough cost to replace knob and tube? Is it thousands, right? It's, yeah, it depends on how big the house is and how easy or hard it is to fish wires through walls. Yeah. Um, if the entire house is knob and tube, you know, for like a two thousand square foot house, you might be at like seven to ten thousand yeah. somewhere in there. If you have like a bigger, older house, you know, it's, it could go up ten, fifteen. So I guess I mean something like that is is obviously incredibly important for the investor to know what they're buying, and then and then because if they're flipping the home, they're almost definitely going to have to do that kind of replacement. Yeah, especially if it comes up if they if they leave it as is, um, and it comes back up on the home inspection side, then they're hit with that cost on the back end. Same thing with, like, foundation issues. Like, a lot of in- investors won't see foundation issues until they, the, if they don't get a home inspection, then when they go to sell it, uh, the buyer obviously has a home inspection, and then it could be five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 foundation issue comes up on the back end, comes directly off of their profit, where if they knew about that when they were buying the property, they could have got it fixed or could have got a price reduction or credit, whatever. How do you go about looking for foundation issues? I know it's it's a uh, when I write hear the word foundation, I get uh, nervous. Uh, it's kind of those things where it's like, uh oh. <laughs> so basement, a basement wall or crawl space wall, we always look at the if it's block, we always look at the mortar joints, um, and see if there's any cracks. That would be like the first indication. You can look around the outside too and see if there's cracks. Also, you're gonna want to look at the plumbness of the wall. So a lot of times, like in South Jersey especially, there's a lot of clay in the soil, so it's super expansive, so it expands and contracts. The more water in the soil, the more pressure, the more it expands, so it pushes on the wall. So if you're looking down the wall and you see that it's bowed, uh, that's an indication that the foundation is pushed in laterally. Sometimes in, I've seen where they'll have a bowed wall like that and the investor or previous homeowner will repoint the crack, so you can't technically see a crack. But if you're too, if you're used to looking for those types of things, you'll see if you stand on the wall, you'll see that it's bowed. Right. And I guess the when you see a bowed wall, as an inspector, you're saying, look, at some point, this wall is going to have to be uh, redone to properly um, support the house. Yeah. It's so it depends on the limit of the um, the lateral movement. So what we typically would do is drop a plumb line down um, and and measure the wall between the distance and the plumb line to see how far the wall pushed in and then kind of make a determination from there. Is there like a couple inches that's a reasonable amount or how do you kind of think about that? Yeah, usually anything above between like uh, five-eighths up to two inches would be like something that could be fixed. Less than five-eighths would be something uh, that could be monitored. Uh, You also want to improve the exterior to prevent induced pressure. So if your gutters are clogged up and they're just overflowing constantly, or if you're if a patio or your grating is pitched towards the house, all that water is rushing towards the foundation. Um, so the more water in the soil, the more pressure, then the first 30 inches of the soil freezes too with the frost. So then there's nowhere for the soil to go except against the wall. It can't go towards the soil, so it wants to push on the wall. So once the weight of the house can no longer counterbalance the soil pressure, it pushes the wall, which is what causes the lateral movement. I just had an interesting case the other day. Maybe I talk about this. It's, it's funny when I think about inspectors, I think of like, so what weird cases have you had recently in your properties? Um, so one of mine was, this is the first time for me, the city of Lancaster, which by the way, God bless Lancaster because it's been doing very well and our homes have been appreciating. So we're all for that, but decided to go in the backyard of every property and look for trees that had rotted which I don't know, I guess they can do whatever they want, but that seems kind of crazy. They, they're even allowed to do that. And one of the homes I own, sure enough, had a, had a tree that they, they deemed rotted and made us uh, basically 
like remove it or, or at least cut out some of the limbs, which doesn't sound like a big of a deal. But in these old houses, you had these these very large trees. And in this case, it you know, there were a bunch of wires that were kind of in the area. And so, you know, our handyman just was not anywhere near comfortable doing it. We had to get a basically a, a tree removal company to come in. And I think it was like a three, you know, and we even shopped it around a good amount. I think it was like three grand or something. Is that something you do? Do you look at like trees and stuff? Uh, yeah, so not typically, but if I do, if I'm at a property and I see like a, a large, so there's two things here. It's either there's trees that are dead, which in the, in the wintertime sometimes it's hard to tell. Um, if it's close to the property or if it falls, it could hit the property. That's something we would call out. The other thing is tree roots, like a bigger trees like that, uh, if they're close to the house, they can also cause foundation issues. Yeah. It's almost like buying an insurance plan, right? It's like, you know, you've just, I mean, how many homes have you inspected? Um, so we did 261 last year Jeez. since 2012, probably like 1,500. Yeah, I mean, just. Plus the structural inspections, another five, I, four, I mean, 500. Just, just an insane, in, I mean, just getting that head through your head is like, I mean, seeing 1,500 homes, you've seen so many different weird things out there. You know, to pay someone four or 500 bucks to walk through the house and tell you everything going on. I mean, if you're anywhere early in your career of a real estate investor, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't, I, I, the more I think about it, the more I, I, I do in real estate, the more I think. It's, it's really just education too, right? I mean, I'm sure you're able to educate the owner, not just on their property, but also just, you know, overall kind of home maintenance. Yeah. I would say education, peace of mind too. Then like, you know, you're, you're not buying something that's faulty or has major issues. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, the ROI on something that uncovers a uh, ten, twenty thousand dollar damage on four or five hundred buck, four or five hundred inspection is good. Good ROI. Yeah. yeah and so then uh, I'm a tech nerd, so I guess so. You were telling me earlier, you you have like basically a tablet that you walk through the home, you take the pictures, everything's up in the cloud, report, and then I guess the report's all digital too, right? So someone can save the report. You know, it's not because I know when I when I bought a home, my first ever house I bought that I actually lived in. The inspection report I got was like a folder, and it was like a, like a three-ring binder. And I was like, oh, man, this is not what I want. Do you even do – you don't do three-ring binders anymore, right? You just, no, I never did. Yeah. Always, oh, you never did. You're, you're, uh, you're always on, on, on the, fr- the front. So everything's just digital, right? It's all, and then it all just goes up in the cloud, which is actually pretty valuable because now you have this – you know, as an investor, you'd, you'd basically just have this Google Drive folder or whatever you're going to use, Dropbox, to keep all that information – and so now when a, when a problem comes up, even three years down the road, you could pull up the original inspection report and probably uh, look at it. Yeah, absolutely. So to circle back on the, the software, it's basically like we have an iPad. Uh, it's an app. has all the info for the house on there. A lot of the common defects are saved on there. Uh, so we basically walk through the house with the tablet, input the info, uh, input all the defects, take pictures of all the defects, sync it to the cloud, go on the computer, uh, finalize the report on the laptop, and then send it out. It just sends a link in the email. Uh, then it opens up a PDF. They can save the PDF and then click through the tabs. So basically at the top, it's like summary electrical plumbing, and you can click electrical, drop down to the electrical section. Um, and, yeah, then they can save that on the desktop. So if anything ever comes up and down the road, they can see, oh, okay, the water heater was seven, eight years old. This is why it's five years later it's, it's ready. It's awesome, man. I want to, just before we get off the inspection thing, I want to talk about one more topic, uh, roofs for a second here. I I want to cover this just because the leaky roof can cause so much damage. And and one thing I see a lot is you'll walk a house and you'll see what clearly was water damage before. And I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've heard the previous owner say, oh, it's fixed. (laughs) You know, 
Uh, it's always fixed. It's always fixed. The problem's always fixed and never going to happen again. You know, as an inspector, how do you think through that problem and kind of working through it? So from a home inspection standpoint, um, we're kind of seeing the property as like a snapshot, right? We're there one time for two or three hours. We're going to try and identify those issues. If we see, we, we walk every roof that we can, if it's safe to walk on, like if it's super steep or wet, like we're not going to go up there typically. Um, but that's where we start. We start the inspection on the roof. So like we're going to identify areas of that roof in our minds that we may see issues on the inside. So if we see something like around a chimney flashing, for example, we go in the attic or in the second floor and there's stains on the ceiling. Um, we do have a moisture meter too, so we can test that area with the moisture meter. Even if it's dry, it doesn't necessarily mean it's an old leak. If it didn't rain for two weeks, it may be dry. But if we're seeing an issue on the roof, in the attic, like is it water stains in the attic or mold or something in that all in that same area, it's a pretty good indication that it's an ongoing issue. And then at that point, we would recommend further valuation and repair by a roofing contractor. Yeah, I guess the I guess the the moisture test is a pretty good one, right? Yes. Yeah, so we have a moisture meter. It has two prongs. Uh, you basically poke it into the wall or ceiling, whatever. Yeah, unless it hasn't rained for like a couple weeks, um, you're going to find moisture there. It's, it's always tricky because sometimes a roof won't leak unless it has like snow and ice buildup because then it's sitting there. It's not just water shed, you know, water's going to shed off. Right. If you have snow and ice buildup, that could cause leaks. So something may only leak in the wintertime, but we do identify those problem areas from the roof if we see something in the attic so that the homeowner at least can keep an eye on it and monitor, monitor those areas yeah. and expect it if something comes up. I remember the home I bought one time. The, we actually had an inspector coming through, and he said, he said so look, here's, what, here's a wall that's clearly not leaking, and here's what it's supposed to sound like. And he put it against the wall, and it goes, it goes bup, 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 you know, and he was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and it, it turned out there was, there was actually water leakage everywhere, basically, it was even, even on some of the side walls. So it is, it is a pretty cool tool there. Yeah, so that is... Um well, we will poke it in, like, because there is a, always a little bit of moisture content in wood or sheetrock. So if you're in an area where there's no stains and it's completely dry and you can tell and it's, like, 3 or 4%, and then you put it somewhere where the stain is, even though it's not, like, high, it's higher than that dry area. That's also an indication that there could be some type of leak yeah. in that area. Talk to me a little bit about... Um just this, this kind of combining forces of both being an investor yourself and also working with investors. Does that seem like an advantage to you? It, it feels like it should be. I do get business from networking with other investors that are buying properties. I obviously get uh, a lot of home inspection business that way, a lot of engineering business that way, especially if they're planning on doing framing modifications like taking out bearing walls or putting additions on. I would say it's more beneficial for it's beneficial for me because I'm getting business. More beneficial for the investors because I have that. When I go doing home inspection for an investor, I know what to look for in terms of like what's going to come up on the home inspection, things that should be replaced right away. So they're going to have a better idea on you know what they're going to have to do as part of the renovation. Yeah, and I, and I guess just looking at it from the eye of the investor is just it's just different than a homeowner, right? Yeah. Like yep. you know you think about things just a little bit. It's a different framework, I guess, yeah. of, of how you think about, like, what you might actually fix and what you might actually not fix. Right, exactly. Yeah, so if, like you said, if the, you might not fix a water heater that's only five years. Technically, it works. Yeah. I think uh, I have a good—I can help out investors a lot that are trying to redesign the house if it's a bad layout because there's a lot of value add there. If you can get a cheap a property cheap because it's a bad layout, change the layout um, with the engineering background and, the, like, the structural background, I think it's a 
a benefit for me to see those things and be able to tell them what their options are. Like, hey, you can take this wall out completely. doesn't matter. This wall is a bearing wall. You got to do this, this, and this. It could be three grand to, to do this modification. So. Right. That's awesome. Uh, I, what I want to close here on is, so you also run a meetup, and uh, you, you probably know this, but I am a, a meetup junkie at heart. It really bothers me when I talk to a new investor, and, and this is how it'll go. I'll, I'll meet someone who'll say, you know, yeah, I want to get into investing. I'm, I'm really passionate. Oh, you're really passionate. Awesome. This is going to be my future. I'm, I'm going to retire on real estate. Awesome. And maybe I'm meeting them at like, maybe it's a meetup or I meet them at lunch. And I say, hey, look, what I recommend is going to meetups. They're a great place to meet people. You can learn. And by the way, they're usually free. And they say, oh, that sounds cool. Like, when is it? And I'll say, oh, it's, it's Wednesday night. Like, oh, Wednesday night? That's my bowling night. And it's like, you, like, I was about to say a bad word. Like, that bothers me so much because it's like, you have the audacity to think that you are going to retire. Like, you're not going to work the next 50 years of your life. And instead, you're going to retire on real estate early and instead of going to a meetup for free, you are instead going to go to your bowling night. Like, it drives me bananas. Um, or I see the person at the first meetup, and they're like, oh, I'm so passionate, and then I never see him again. And both those situations really tick me off because it's like anything else in life. If you want to be successful, you got to put some time in. Okay, so that's my little uh, segue into you run a meetup. In South Jersey? Yes. Uh, well, would you call it South Jersey? Yeah, yeah it's in South Jersey. Has that been a good experience for you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I got sick and tired of hearing on the Bigger Pockets podcast that if there's not a local Bigger Pockets meetup in your area, you should start one. So I was like, screw it, I'm going to start one. Uh, we had the first one at Panera Bread in January of 2018. I think like 17 or 18 people showed up, and it's just grown from there. It's awesome, man. Um, I love it. For me, it's good to see. I love seeing people come together and like collaborate on ideas. I've seen deals get done. I've seen partnerships created. I've seen businesses formed. So that's the, I love seeing that from other investors. And also, yeah, like I, like I benefit from it too. I'm meeting all these different people. I'm getting home inspection business from it. But yeah, I have seen people come once and, and not show up again. A lot of people like to talk, you know, the shiny object, especially if it's real estate, it's like, it's always the shiny object and they can get excited about it. Go to a meetup and then, uh, you know, it depends on how committed they are and how how honest they are with themselves, yeah. you know, if they're going to continue with it or not. Yes, I mean, I, I just, I totally agree. I, uh, two things that come to mind. One is, I had a, uh, so we run some meetups, and I was up in uh, our Allentown, Lehigh Valley meetup, and a wholesaler had just got a house under contract. He shows up, and we do this thing at the beginning, you usually have people who can pitch deals, I don't know if you do something similar, pitches the deal, two people in the audience raise their hand and say, I, I want to buy that. They walk over from the corner, 15 minutes later, I kind of, I kind of put a, a break in the thing. I, I try to say, how, so how'd that go? Wholesaler says, yeah, the deal's done. Wholesaler made $5,000 by just coming out to the, the meetup. It's like, how can you miss that? And then I'll just say personally, the best deal I ever found. Everyone talks about there being no deals and so hard to find deals. My best ever purchase, a, a property I hope to own for the next 30 years of my life, a 15-unit building in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, that we got for like 500 grand. That thing's easily worth 900. And we got it because basically someone in the meetup had a relationship with the, with the owner and it was too big of a deal for him to take down. And so he ended up partnering with us. We gave him a small fee. He was thrilled. 
for getting a fee on a deal he was just too big for him. And we found it. And the only reason we ever made that relationship and that connection, he knew what we did was through the meetups. So I just think, uh, I think you're crazy to knock it out once or twice a month, the meetups. Yeah, absolutely. And, and going back to your point about I have bowling that night, there's various different meetups. Like, they're all different nights, so you can't – there's no excuses. Yeah, it's, it's just an excuse. It's like anything else in the world. Uh, you know, everyone's busy. Um, some people prioritize things that are important to them. And, and you know, it, it's like, <laughs> I, yeah, I think prioritizing not having to work for 50 years is actually something I should probably prioritize over, like, getting nine pins down or ten pins that time. Like, I'm, clearly I'm not a bowler, but – uh, just it really ticks me off. So, all right, well, cool. Hey, Justin, this was awesome, man. Covered some really good stuff. Super valuable. Love having you on here. I learned a lot. Every time I hear people who are super knowledgeable in home maintenance and really have a deep engineering background, I love it because I learn more stuff. I, I'm sure our audience did too. If people want to reach out to you, maybe to have an inspection done uh, or just kind of pick your brain, how do they reach out to you? Yeah, so the, the name of the inspection business is Dwell Safe Inspections and Engineering. Um, you have a website, dwellsafenj.com, and the uh, South Jersey Meetup Group is called South Jersey Real Estate Investor Group. On Instagram, it's at S-J-R-E-I-G. Okay. Uh, we usually do the meetups like once a month, so you can come out and network there. Uh, if you need home inspection services, go to the website. Everything's on there. Contact info. All right, man. I love it. Good stuff. And in your inspection business, you cover what, Pennsylvania, New Jersey? Um, we're anywhere from Trenton down. So it's pretty much all South Jersey. Specific, specific New Jersey. You're, yeah. you stay in that area. Cool. It's yep. awesome, man. Justin, good stuff. Love having you out here uh, on the podcast. We're at, uh, we're at PodMax here. By the way, this PodMax thing is something, isn't it? Yeah, this is cool, man. This is a cool little uh, setup you got on this table specifically. The last one I did, I was in like a little room. Nah, so, so we're up here on the main stage of PodMax. We're in Trenton, but let me tell you, the next PodMax is going to be in Lancashire. So they're taking the PodMax on the road. It's a cool thing. If you've never actually seen it, you should you should ping Eric Cabral and the PodMax team. It's they bring a bunch of podcasters together, a bunch of entrepreneurs in a big old soup, and say have fun. And that's what we are. So this is cool. Thanks for joining. All right. Thanks a lot, Chad. All right, see you, Jason. Thanks for joining us today. I have one more request. If you like this show, could you just please give us a review on Apple Podcasts? I'd really really appreciate it, so more investors can hear about us. Follow us at Real Estate Hackers on Instagram if you're cool like my wife. And if you have a great real estate hack, hit me up. Maybe we'll get you on this show. Real Estate Hackers is an on-air brands production. Eric and team are unbelievable. Thanks for all you do for the show. See you soon.